for the last two weeks of, uh, of Advent, we've been talking about the importance of looking into the future, the future that God is promising His people, um, where the kingdom comes and things are finally right, and the importance of hoping now for that day. The importance of thinking about that day in such a way that we prepare ourselves mentally, relationally, emotionally to follow, to enjoy, so that we live now as if that day had come, which is a very different way. And as a necessity, also last week we talked about the importance in in light of that, living for that future hope of having this sense of, this ability to wait patiently, something that, by the way, does not come naturally. But today we talk about something that does come naturally, so you'll all hopefully be able to connect with it, um, the reality of it. But what comes naturally to all of us is, is doubts, isn't it? I mean... Uh, doubts, wondering, questions, is that really true? Is something that happens to all of us. And it might seem that Advent is the wrong time to doubt. In fact, there's so much going on that we should, we should be inspired to believe. And in many ways, that's true. But if you don't think that those first participants doubted, questioned, wondered, read the story again. Wonder. They wonder, what was going on? What does this mean? Why the angels? Why this baby? Who is this baby? Lots of different questions came. Real faith, lasting faith, persevering faith is created or birthed through doubts and through questions. Not by simply going, yes, of course, for sure, must be obvious. Questions like this. Why Mary and Joseph? Why them? Why a virgin birth? What, what does that add? Why is that important? Why would a Messiah come to the world in a nowhere place called Bethlehem, which probably almost no one from that time period across the world had any idea why it would be there? Why? Why would a Savior come as an infant, literally as an embryo? How strange. What does it mean? Why would the shepherds get to be the first to get this big announcement? Instead of telling the newsmakers, those who had a position of authority and could explain this message to lots of other people, why? And why was he born to a poor mother and father who were on the move in basically a stable? Why? The story has all kinds of whys, all kinds of questions. You know, just looking at the movies, saviors don't come this way, do they? Did did Batman come this way? I don't think so. You know, uh, Superman? Frodo Baggins? No. This is not the way that heroes come. So it raises questions in our minds, doubts. And if we take Advent seriously, we have to have some time to think, to doubt, to question, and to ask ourselves, what is hard for me to believe about the story? An important question I think we need to ask ourselves is this, is are my questions and my doubts a friend, or are they my enemy? Are your doubts, your questions... Do you embrace them as something to help you? Or something that should be pushed off to the side and I just should pretend I don't really have these questions or doubts or fears? I think God intends us to invite those doubts to be our friends, to lead us to growth, to further understanding, and to a deeper sense of what God is doing and why. And if we think of them as our enemies and we pretend they don't exist and we try to hide from them, it doesn't help us it actually puts us, pushes us further away from God. 
But I, we have lots of kids in here, and I mean by kids all the way up into the teens. So I want to ask the kids to participate a little bit. Um, you heard the story read a little bit before, but what's, what's the story of Advent? What's the story of Jesus' birth? Who was there? Can you, kids, can you help me? I'm really putting myself on a limb here, aren't I? So help me. The teens can help too. I can start the point question, you know. What's the story about? Who are the characters in the story? Anybody? Go ahead, just say it out. Shepherds, shepherds. yes, some shepherds, thank you. A bunch of shepherds. Who? An angel? That's right. Who else? Animals. The animals were there, we think, maybe. I don't know, probably, yes. Who else was there? Wise men? Yep, some, we get some wise guys, I mean some wise men um, showing up. Who else? Joseph. Joseph, yeah, Joseph was there. And who was his wife, the be wife? Mary. Mary, there you go, thank you. And we forgot one person that showed up that was really important. Yes, Jesus. Did you have someone else? That was it? That was a good one. Jesus, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the story is about these people, isn't it, that, that are participants, that are there, that experience, that have questions along the way. I don't know about your experience with your interaction with people around you, but, but I find the people I talk to, which is probably a little different category than you do uh, to some degree, is they don't believe the Advent story. I mean, they might go to a school play where it's, it's, they see it, but if you ask them, if you talk to them, do you believe the story? Do you think this is true? Nah. It's kind of like a fairy tale to them. It's not really true. It's not really history. Why is that? And I may give you a different reasons why I think that people think this, and I, I hope you won't be offended for them or maybe for you if, if, you, have, if you have questions. I, I think the reason that many Europeans, and I should say North Americans too because I think it's there as well, although I think it's a little bit more here, I think many of the reasons they don't believe this is that they're one of the main barriers is they're intellectually lazy. <laughs> and you might think, and I think it's true, you might think, no, I think Europeans are more intellectual than North Americans. I think you're right. I think they've read more. I think they are, um, there's a lot of, of philosophy, a lot more variety of things that they have that people in my country don't. But I think on this level, on the question of what is this story about, if you believe it, why would you believe it? Why wouldn't you believe it? I think there's a level of intellectual laziness that happens. And I think it's because they've been told from early on in school and other places it's not true. And they probably had some experiences along the way with Christians that helped them reinforce that idea that it doesn't look like it's true in their life. But for them, they haven't really looked into it themselves. They haven't really taken the doubts and the questions of the reasons they don't believe and they haven't actually investigated. They've taken the word of other people and haven't really taken those questions themselves and say, you know, I'm going to see for myself, is this true or not? And by the way, one of the th great things about the Alpha class is it gives you an opportunity to do that in a little more depth with other people that if you don't agree, it's not a big deal. But I think that's, that's true. Um, I think sometimes... Uh, you know, they hear phrases like this, well, everyone knows that this didn't really happen. Or science has proven that this didn't happen. And by the way, science doesn't prove historical events. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> it just can't because scientific proof has to be repeated. You can't repeat history. You have to look for other proofs. But I think sometimes we hear other people saying, of course it's not true. And so we assume, well, I guess, I guess it can't be true. And so we start living that life without actually looking into it. Now, let me be fair. 
I think a lot of Christians are intellectually lazy as well. I think it covers both ways. For a lot of Christians, if you ask them why they believe, they say, I just believe. You know, have you asked, have you looked into why other people don't believe and, and questioned those things and looked at it from their perspective? No. Would you do that? No. Why? Well, I don't need to. And I don't think that God encourages us or wants us to be intellectually lazy whether we believe or don't believe. I think He gives us life so that we can pursue with excitement and interest things we don't agree with or believe in and start to understand what. We may not be convinced, but at least we'll have a better sense of why we don't believe, not why someone else doesn't believe. Matthew 11 tells the story about a great man of faith who had serious doubts about Jesus being the Messiah. John was the one, John the Baptist was the one who came to be the one who pointed the way for the Messiah, and yet he was put in prison, and as you can imagine, for a period of time, maybe up to a year, in prison, wondering, why am I here? John came and preached a message that God was going to come, the Messiah would come and bless God's people, bless who were those who were obedient, and those who were doing wrong to people would be judged. And things would be set right, finally. And here for possibly a whole year, John sits in jail, going, where's the justice? If Jesus is the Messiah, where's the justice? And you know what? That question probably led to the doubts. And the question that he had his disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, are you the one? Or are you not the one? You know, it's interesting. I don't know about you, but I know for me... Um, that when we experience something, whether it's an injustice or something, it raises questions. You know, Sometimes we don't ask questions because life's just good, isn't it? And we're not worried and we're just keeping our mind focused and keep moving forward. But sometimes you know, a bad thing happens in our life or to someone we care about. And what's the, you know, the first thing we do, God, why? God, how can you? God, you know. We can have no interest in God and then, funny thing, <laughs> now we're interested. And He needs to prove Himself to us. And that happened, I think, to John. I think it happens to all of us. When we're hurting, we start to ask the question. John experienced this injustice because he was in prison for speaking truth to power. And you know what happens when you speak truth to power? Power exerts itself on you. And sometimes it doesn't work out. It didn't work out well for John. He gave voice to his doubt, therefore, about the Messiah. Are you the Messiah, Jesus? Or should we look for another one? Because it doesn't look like, Jesus, you're doing the things that I thought you were supposed to do. When life's, con- when life's experience come in conflict with our expectations, doubts come. But again, are doubts your friend or your enemy? I think they're our friend. It's a gift that God gives us to help us go deeper, to gain a better and broader perspective of what God is doing in this world and helps us to change our expectations and the way we live. You know, when questions come, especially when they're personal and intimate, it will require intellectual and emotional rigor. You know, work. Which is the opposite of intellectual laziness. We have to work. We have to to question. We have to work through the pain and the difficulty, the the, the hurt, the doubt. The old answers, the answers that we had before that seemed just fine are no longer good enough. I mean, John had no problem preaching about Jesus and preaching about the Messiah. He got in jail and he said, wait a second. Why 
is this part not happening? And so with us, pain causes questions. You know, I find it interesting in this passage, Jesus did not rebuke John or his disciples and say, you know what, you shouldn't be asking those questions. I think that's significant. This question isn't a bad question. It's actually a very healthy one. And in answering the question that John really had, which is, where is the justice that the Messiah will bring? I think Jesus said to him basically this, don't forget the other question that you're not asking that's just important. And that is basically this, where is the blessing that the Messiah is going to bring? And that's Jesus' answer. Go back and tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, the dead, uh, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life. Almost all of those come out of Isaiah um, chapter, I think it's after chapter 35, verses 5 through 6, that talk about that time when, when God comes and when He sets things right. This is what will happen. And Jesus is saying to John, don't forget the blessings that were happening around you. People are being freed. The good news, it says, is being preached to the poor, which is from Isaiah 6.1, which is about the Messiah. And Jesus says to John, blessed are those who don't fall away because of me. In other words, blessed are those who don't fall away just because I don't meet all of their expectations. Blessed are those who can live with questions and sometimes not always have the answer and still be able to believe because they know enough truth to be able to live with the doubts that they cannot fix at that moment. Jesus does not tell him why his expectations of judgment haven't come yet. But he reminds them the blessings have, and they are. And therefore, he is the Messiah. Jesus says to John, adjust your expectations so you can believe. Allow for the possibility that your desires, your hopes, are not going to be realized exactly the way you want them to be realized. But they'll be, they'll, your hopes will come in a different way. You'll need to adjust to the reality. This Advent... Where do you find yourself? Maybe you kind of find yourself going, oh yeah, it's Advent. That's when we have candles and songs about Christmas and that's wonderful. Really, Advent is a, is a time to give you place and space to, to hope. Space and place to think about patiently waiting. Space and place to say, what am I afraid of? What do I doubt? What are my questions? Sometimes we come to Advent with an intellectual distance to Jesus. We don't want to get too close. We don't want to think about it too much because there's too many questions from our childhood or growing up years or our university years or whatever. And we, just, we don't want to get close. And I think Jesus says, no, no, this is the time to let those things out. Because it's only in the light of day that a question can really be thought through. It's only in community in which you may not get the answers, but you might get a different perspective that helps you to live with those questions. I hope this Advent you'll find yourself wrestling with some of the questions of Advent. That some of these questions will drive you deeper to read and to ask some unsafe questions to some very safe people and say, why? What difference does it make? Why would God do that? And you know what you'll find? Not always, but oftentimes there's some really good answers out there some really good thoughts that will help you. But they will only help you if you ask the question. 
You know, on that first Advent when Jesus was born, there were a bunch of shepherds out, and they were paying, they were minding their own business, watching their sheep late at night, and the angels came, and uh, God showed up, and He shook them. <laughs> it was a shaking experience, and it raised all kinds of questions. And my hope for you is that Advent can be that kind of time for you in a positive way to let those questions come up and to let it shake you and to think again, what does it mean? Why did it happen? And how does it connect or relate to me? Do you know those shepherds left? After they went to the manger and they saw Jesus, they left with joy and rejoiced. You know, that's what happens, I think, when we, when we experience God, when we experience the birth of Jesus in a fresh way. We have lots of questions, but we have lots of joy. And sadly, I think for many people in the spiritual realm, they have no questions and they have no joy. No sense of awe. No sense of amazement. And what a sad way to experience the gift of God than to not have any questions at all and have no joy to share. You know, kids, if you're still awake, you can help us with this. Because as adults, we're sometimes afraid to ask questions. But you know what you can do? You can ask us questions. Why did Jesus come? Why, why did he come then? Why, did it, why was it done that way? And, and you know what? Us adults might give you an answer, and it might not be a very good one because we really don't know. So that's okay. Just say, well, that doesn't make sense to me, Mom and Dad. And, and then they'll have to call me or email me or pick up a book or whatever and start reading. And they might come back in a couple of you know, days and say, well, here's a thought. This is just something I read. And you might actually help your Mom and Dad think a new thought. What an idea, huh? What a great way. See, kids, you can help us to get out of our sense of we know when we really don't. And to ask the questions that really we've forgotten how to ask. So don't hesitate to give your mom and dad a hard time over Christmas. Also ask them, let them know what you want for Christmas as well. But, uh, but don't be afraid to ask the questions this Christmas. Our lack of questions likely points to a more serious lack in our lives. A lack of interest in the coming of Christ. A lack of desire to know more. So this Advent, I encourage you to read the story again. The best place you can find it is Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. And don't be fa- afraid of the questions that it raises. Why? So what? Why did it happen that way? What does it mean for my life? Be afraid if you read the story and you don't have any questions. Then you're in trouble. And then you really need help. God invites you to come again to the story that has changed the lives of billions of people, has changed history, and that continues to change lives. And he says, come and read it again. And ask your questions. And be changed. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, for many of us in this room, We work very hard to be very comfortable. To not let anything get too close that might shake us, that might challenge us, that might make us think differently. And yet every time that you come near to someone, it shakes them. It raises questions. Things that were certain before become uncertain. Things that were known now become questions. 
Help us both if we believe and if we're not quite sure that any of this is true at all to embrace the questions, to follow the truth that we see, that you reveal. Help us again to have a fresh sense of the coming of Jesus. What a strange event in a strange time that had incredibly unusual results. Help us to feel it. Lead us to that place where we can be changed. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.